Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, welcome into the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and I want to welcome you in to a brand new episode for this week. We'll recap week six action of the college football season, and then we'll also preview a little bit of week seven action on this podcast right now. Before we dive in, like we normally do, I I typically give you my top five lock recap for the previous week, but before we get into that, we have to talk about the major upset in college football that was Texas A&M upsetting a number one ranked Alabama last night. It was crazy. I would have never never expected Texas A&M to be the team to upset Alabama, but boy, they did. It was a crazy game, so we'll get into it a little bit here on this podcast. So let's just dive right in, folks. So as I mentioned, Texas A&M got the victory 41-38 to over the Crimson Tide. And it's kind of funny because head coach Jimbo Fisher, uh, head coach at Texas A&M, that is, had proclaimed this past spring that the Aggies would beat the Crimson Tide. And I'm sure at that time, many reporters and many people in the room probably laughed that comment off because why not? Why why wouldn't you make that proclamation that you're going to try to beat Alabama, you know, the top dog in college football? And several months later, they actually get the victory 41-38 to over the, over the Crimson Tide. That's a tremendous win for that program, which seemed to be heading in the wrong direction. Alabama ranked number one, as I had mentioned. And the fact that the Aggies had the cojones to beat the Crimson Tide, to, to battle them all the way through four quarters, and they won on a field goal. I mean, that is a tremendous effort by the Aggies. You got to give them a lot of props. You got to give Jimbo Fisher a lot of credit because it's looking like that contract extension that he just inked was well worth all of that money. It was well worth the millions of dollars that he's getting at Texas A&M. So what a win for that program. Uh, Seth Small, the field goal kicker at Texas A&M, was able to nail a 28-yard field goal. As time expired, it gave the A&M Aggies the victory. It stunned number one ranked Alabama, and it actually ended the Crimson Tide's winning streak at 19 games. It's pretty funny that this victory also came on Jimbo Fisher's 56th birthday. And it's it's got to be, in my mind, that's got to be the biggest victory that Texas A&M has had since Jimbo Fisher took over the controls back in 2018. I mean, that is phenomenal. Alabama hadn't lost a game since losing to Auburn 48-45 to against Auburn on November 30th, 2019. And it's also the first time that Nick Saban has lost to one of his assistants after entering the game a perfect 24-0 in all of those matchups. He is 24-0 against his assistants. He's now 24-1, of course. But he had beaten Jimbo Fisher four previous times, and it's actually the most of any of his former assistants. So the fact that Jimbo Fisher got this victory is pretty remarkable. I mean, he's he's been beaten plenty of times by Nick Saban, but Jimbo Fisher had something lined up, something planned for his old buddy Nick Saban, and he gives him the 41 to 38 loss. Alabama goes home packing. That is a tremendous effort by that team to upset Nick Saban's 
Crimson Tide team that looked unstoppable. I mean, to be honest, they looked like they were on a mission straight for the college football playoffs. Texas A&M slows them up a bit. They now drop in the AP poll, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but that is outstanding that Texas A&M was able to beat Alabama. A&M wasn't even ranked coming into this matchup on Saturday. When asked of ending Nick Saban's streak, Jimbo Fisher said, and I quote, It doesn't mean anything to me. Our football team is learning to play against other great football teams and have success. That's what matters to me, end quote. Texas A&M also ended Alabama's streak of 100 wins over unranked teams, which dates back to a win over Colorado in the 2007 Independence Bowl, which capped off Nick Saban's first season at that program. And the victory that Texas A&M had on Saturday was actually the first in this series since Johnny Manziel had a phenomenal performance to lead the Aggies to a 29-24 win in 2012, which was on the road in Alabama when the Crimson Tide were also ranked first in the nation. So a little bit of history there with this program, with both of these programs, and the fact that they haven't done something since Johnny Manziel was there. And he actually was at the game. I think I saw him on the sidelines this past Saturday. So it looked like it was a sellout crowd. It looked like the place was rocking. Texas A&M gets the biggest win since Jimbo Fisher has been at that program. And I think the fans actually stormed the field a little bit. I didn't stick around for too much of the coverage after the game had ended. But I flipped to this game when I saw that the score was tied up at one point. I definitely turned back. It was like late into the third quarter, late into the fourth quarter. I turned back just to catch a few minutes of the game, and I saw that field goal for the win for Texas A&M. But I cannot believe they lost. I can't believe Alabama lost. I mean, I I honestly, every week I do my predictions, it's almost routine that Alabama is going to win, that you don't have to really even give it much of a second second guess. And the fact that Texas A&M did the unthinkable, the underdog, beating Alabama. I mean, that's a a great win for the program, and it was great action for college football. I mean, we had a phenomenal day of college football in week six action. We'll dive right into it a little bit later on in the podcast, but a lot of folks who follow college football, who enjoy watching it, you can follow them on Twitter. I saw some of the immediate live reaction, and kids and folks were just saying this was a tremendous weekend for college football. It was one of the best weekends that you could have ever imagined in college football this season. I wish I'd watched this game uh, in more detail, but the fact that the Crimson Tide lost and the Aggies had that game-winning field goal, I I did catch a little bit of that at the end. It it was awesome to see. College football, we we still got several more weeks to go, and it's anybody's guess who will be in the playoffs. I, I would have told you a couple weeks ago, maybe even last week, Alabama for sure would be in there. Georgia will probably be in there as well. Hell, I was even thinking Florida could make it in. But you see what happens week in and week out. You can't overlook teams, and you can't um, put all your eggs in one basket. I feel like it's going to be a race to the finish here, and it's anybody's guess who is going to make it into the college football playoffs. But I cannot wait to see that action unfold. It's going to be a great end to the season. We're about midway point in the season right now, so I cannot wait to see what happens from here and if we take a quick look at the ap poll for this week for week seven georgia is the new number one in the ap poll which is a unanimous vote for georgia they're taking the the number one spot 
during the regular season for the first time since November 1982. So that's a, a pretty pretty big shakeup for the AP poll. We usually see Alabama run through these rankings, usually in the one number one spot. We usually see Clemson up there as well, but uh, not this year. Georgia is number one, and they're building a lot of momentum towards the end of the season and hopefully an eventual matchup with Alabama in the SEC West, but there's still a lot more action to go. Alabama could conceivably lose again. You know, we don't know, but Georgia is the new number one. And then we have at number two, Iowa, who played lights out this past weekend against Penn State. They are 6-0. and Iowa is looking legit, my friends. They are looking legit. I didn't pick them to win this weekend. I'll be real with you. I picked Penn State, and I think Penn State would have probably won had Sean Clifford not gone out of the game injured. But nonetheless, hats off to Iowa. They are number two. They are up one spot after winning their top five matchup with Penn State. The Hawkeyes have their best ranking since they reached number one back in 1985. So it's been a minute since Iowa has reached these heights. But the fact that they're number two, that's got to be great for the program. That's got to be great for recruiting. That's got to be great for morale at that program. I mean, Iowa's looking looking pretty good this year. Got to give it to them. Their defense is playing phenomenal football right now. And then at number three, we have Cincinnati, a team out of the American Conference, is... At number three, it's their best ranking ever, which is awesome to see. Cincinnati has a legit chance to make it to the playoffs. A team from the group of five. We've been wanting this for a while to have some outsiders crack into the playoff spots. And if they win out, which they most likely will because they just beat the brakes off of Temple. Good God, they embarrassed Temple. If Cincinnati just continues winning out and they can handle the American Conference that it has in front of them, Cincinnati will most likely be in the playoffs. So that's a, a great story in college football. And then we got number four, Oklahoma. Then we've got number four, Oklahoma. They move up two spots after a, a crazy wild finish. A come from behind victory against Texas in the Red River Showdown. They're number four. They seem to, to keep clicking. I mean, they, they do everything you need to do to win games. I have not been big on Oklahoma. I haven't been high on them this year. Me personally, I thought they, they had some issues there that would result in them losing some games this year. But Lincoln Riley made the choice to pull his quarterback, Spencer Rattler. And that decision helped him, helped his team win the game this past weekend against Texas. That would have been a crazy upset. I actually had predicted Texas to beat Oklahoma. So I'm a little disappointed in that. But. Oklahoma's at number four. They're doing everything you need to do to win games, and they are in great position to make the playoffs as well. Then we got Alabama at number five, and I feel like that is the lowest ranking they've had in quite some time. In fact, Alabama had a run of 14 straight polls at number one, snapped. So it is out of the top three for the first time since 2019. So it, it has been quite quite some while. It's been a couple years since they've been this low in the polls. So at number one, Georgia. At number two, Iowa. Cincinnati, three. Oklahoma, four. Alabama, five. Ohio State is at number six, followed by Penn State at seven, then Michigan at eight, Oregon at nine, and then Michigan State at number 10. So we've got five teams from the Big Ten represented in the AP top 10 in this poll. 
Michigan State's been playing been playing great football. Their offense looks high powered. We'll get into that a little bit later on. They're six and zero right now. Mel Tucker's got to be excited. That's quite the turnaround from a year ago for Michigan State. So they round out the top ten. My NC State Wolfpack. They are down here on the list at number twenty two. They've got a, a big game this upcoming weekend against BC. But that is quite the shakeup. Texas A&M doing the dirty work. And as a result, they are ranked one spot ahead of my beloved NC State Wolfpack there at number 21 on the list for this week. So it was a crazy weekend of college football. We'll dive right into it right now. So if we look at my top five locks for week six action in the ACC, I had Georgia Tech over Duke. Georgia Tech gets the victory 31-27. to This was a really close game. Duke had a chance to win this game, but an interception by Blue Devils quarterback Gunnar Holmberg sealed their fate at the end of this game, which is kind of sad because Duke, as I mentioned on previous podcasts, they're running the ball extremely well this season. Seriously, like within the FBS college football, they were like top five program in rushing each week. So Duke running back Mateo Durant, he ran 43 times for 152 yards and had one touchdown which broke a program single game mark for the most carries that had stood for nearly 51 years. Durant, he ranks in the top five in the bowl subdivision ranks in rushing, and he broke the previous Duke single game record of 42 carries set by Art Bosetti against South Carolina in November 1970. It marked just the second time this year Durant had set a record in a losing effort Going back to his program record output of 255 yards rushing in the season opener against Charlotte. And he said, there's a quote here from him, the stats are cool, but I'd rather have a win than just a personal stat anytime, end quote, which is, which is the case. I mean, he's, if he's a teammate, if he's a winner, he wants to win for Duke. He wants his team to be legit. They actually had a a good start to their season. They beat Northwestern. They beat Kansas. So they're, they're beating some FBS teams and racking up those wins, but this loss kind of hurts because it was within reach and Georgia Tech gets that victory over Duke. With that victory, the Yellow Jackets earned their first win in Durham since 2013. Tough loss for Duke, but I do get the victory there in the ACC this week. In the Big Ten, I'd mentioned Michigan State just a few moments ago. They got a really impressive victory over Rutgers by a score of 31-13. to Michigan State's offense, which is led by Naperville Central's finest, Peyton Thorne, my man, he went off in this game. The Spartans racked up 588 yards of total offense, including 248 yards rushing. Michigan State's quarterback, Peyton Thorne, he went 16 for 27 for 340 yards, three touchdowns, and only one interception. His favorite target of the day, Jalen Naylor, hauled in five balls for 221 yards and three touchdowns. So Naylor caught touchdown passes of 63, 63, and 65 yards. So he was averaging over 60 yards every time he caught the ball, and which would lead to touchdowns. And there's a quote from Jalen Naylor, and, I, and it begins, and I quote, We still have multiple playmakers that y'all haven't seen yet. We have a lot of young guys here that are emerging but it's just getting more in tune with the playbook and we've just been working hard, just trying to get everybody on the same page so far, end quote. So he had a tremendous day on offense for Michigan State. The same could be said for Spartans running back Kenneth Walker III, who rushed for 232 yards on 29 carries with one touchdown. 
Walker scored on a school record 94-yard run. So, yo, Mel Tucker, he's been known for his defense wherever he's gone. But his offense for Michigan State is just beating the brakes off of teams in terms of their production each week. It's really been a treat to see. I don't know what's gotten into Peyton Thorne. Like he, I always ride for April Central. You know, that's, that's my school where I went. But Peyton Thorne, he had a little bit of a struggle last year. And maybe you could uh, attribute to some of that to being Mel Tucker's first year at the program. There's some transition there. Getting used to the playbook and, and the personnel. This year, he is just, he is lights out. Like he, he is playing at a high level. Anthony Russo, former Temple quarterback, he actually went and transferred to Michigan State this year that he was in involved in a little bit of a quarterback battle this summer and Peyton Thorne won it out. I don't know if that was a spark that he needed to play at this level, but I mean this young man is balling out. And Michigan State's offense is looking like one of the best offenses not only in the Big 10 but in college football in FBS. They're going to be a team that you have to look out for you know, in the Big Ten East, it's it's going to be a tough race. I, I think Penn State, if they're healthy, I think it's their year to win the East. But that is a, a really loaded division of the Big Ten, and Michigan State is just playing really well. I know it's Rutgers, but still, the fact that they're able to have this output from that offense this year is just, it's crazy. It's crazy to see. So with the loss, Rutgers has now dropped 33 straight to ranked teams since beating then number 23 South Florida 31 to nothing on November 12th, 2009. That was when cherry picking was back in college, y'all. Like I was still an undergrad back in 2009. And Rutgers, you know, back then, back in 2009, they were a much different team. They they had Greg Schiano as the head coach. But that team was one of the more legit teams out of the Big East every every year, it seemed like. It's been a, a rough uh, transition for them. Greg Schiano is back at the helm trying to get that program on the right track again. But that is quite a long time. But back to this game, the run by Walker. He came into the game leading all FBS players in rushing. He had the longest offensive play in MSU history, as I would mentioned. The previous long run for the Spartans was was 90 yards by Lynn Shand-Noyce in 1949 against Arizona. Walker finished the game with 233 yards rushing. It's his second 200-yard game of the season. He has 913 yards a season, which is an average of 152.2 yards per game. Naylor's 221 yards of receiving snapped the stadium mark of 207 yards set by Larry Fitzgerald of Pittsburgh in 2003. And Peyton Thorne, my man, he finished 16 of 27 for a career best, 339 yards and three touchdowns. This team, if they can keep it up, they're going to be tough competition out of the Big Ten East the, the rest of the way. This was actually the fifth time in FBS history a team has had a 300-yard passer, a 200-yard rusher, and a 200-yard receiver in the same game. Good golly. Michigan State's looking legit they are 6-0 right now 3-0 in the Big Ten this is their best start since it won its first eight games in 2015 when it reached the college football playoff I think this upcoming weekend they'll get an easy win against Indiana I thought Indiana would be a lot better than they are this season just based on how they performed last year I really was high on Indiana this year Um, but I think Michigan State will handle them no problem 
But the following week, they face Michigan, and then they still have Ohio State and Penn State to finish off the regular season. So Michigan State has got their toughest competition coming up to end the season. They've had a great start to the season, and I'm not taking away from that, but this is where where it's really going to get hairy. <laughs> Michigan State's going to have to face its big brother, Michigan, in a couple weeks. Ohio State is still good, even though they don't look as dominant or as strong as they've been in years past. And Penn State is looking really good. So they, I know they lost this past weekend against Iowa, but Penn State is my favorite to win the East. So Michigan State has got its work cut out for them, and it should be a very, very interesting few weeks here. So I got the victory in the Big Ten with the Michigan State victory over Rutgers. In the Big 12, I suffered a loss when Texas lost to Oklahoma by a score of 55-48 to in the Red River rivalry. This game is always close. and The winner of the last five matchups, not counting this, this past one, had won by an average of 5.6 points. So it's always been fairly close. This matchup was within seven points. So, I mean, it was still fairly close here. The Sooners of Oklahoma overcame a 28-7 deficit after the first quarter, which matched the second largest comeback in program history. Oklahoma beat number 21 ranked Texas on Saturday in the highest scoring game of 117 meetings. That's insane, man. Oklahoma's quarterback and preseason Heisman frontrunner Spencer Rattler was benched in the second quarter of this game after turning the ball over to Texas twice, which had led to touchdowns from the Longhorns. So head coach Lincoln Riley made the decision to insert Caleb Williams, a true freshman quarterback. This was the number one recruit from last season. He came in and orchestrated the comeback for the Sooners. The fans actually chanted for him to come into the game. And I almost wonder if head coach Lincoln Riley had it in his mind to insert Williams all along after watching Rattler struggle on Saturday, or did the fans prompt him to do so by by them chanting Williams's name? You know, and this isn't the first time the fans have kind of voiced their displeasure in Spencer Rattler. And so you almost have to wonder, was this something Lincoln Riley already had planned in his mind as the game unfolded and kind of slipped away at, at moments in the first half? Or did the fans provoke him into to making that decision either way it was the right decision to to make because Oklahoma came back got the insane victory over Texas after being down 28 to 7 was the largest deficit of this game I mean that that is a phenomenal effort by Williams to come back cold he was fresh off the bench in probably the biggest game for Oklahoma each season is this Red River rivalry game. The fact that he comes in and, and is able to kind of block out the noise. He's not really phased by that pressure. He was able to come back. The stakes couldn't be any, any higher. And he comes back and wins that game. That is a tremendous effort by Williams, by Caleb Williams, a freshman. Williams, when he got in the game, went 16 for 25 for 212 yards, and he had two touchdowns. He also ran for 88 yards and had one rushing touchdown. So he produced quite a bit of offense when he got in the game running back Kennedy Brooks for the Sooners he ran for 217 yards and on 25 carries and two touchdowns 
The Sooners racked up over 660 yards of total offense, including 339 yards rushing, while Texas posted an impressive 516 yards of total offense. So the Texas offense actually played pretty well in this game. Longhorns quarterback Casey Thompson threw for 388 yards. He had five touchdowns on 20 for 34 passing. His favorite target of the day was Longhorns wide receiver Xavier Worthy, who hauled in nine balls for 261 yards and two touchdowns. So the offense produced at a high level. The defense for the Longhorns folded. They lose in an embarrassing way. I mean, I, I am so embarrassed for them. I picked them to win this game. It looked like at moments Texas was going to run away with it. I thought the lead was too too big. It was too much for them to lose. I honestly thought there was no way they were going to lose that game. Oklahoma came back. They found a way. And my heart breaks for the Longhorns because, at least the Longhorns offense for that matter, because they were playing well. The defense just folded. It broke and allowed Oklahoma to, Oklahoma to come back in this game and I get a loss this week out of my top five locks. Texas gets a loss. This was a win that they needed. I feel like this really could have sparked something within that program to finish off the season strong, getting a victory over Oklahoma, but it just wasn't meant to be. What I will say for for both of these teams, I mean, it's a great win for Oklahoma, but if you expect to come to the SEC playing like this, you're going to get your ass beat every week. Seriously. You can't expect to just score more points than your opponent in the SEC. Like, they're playing some defense in the SEC. You're going to get your ass beat each week if you if you have this piss-poor of an effort. I mean, it's cool that it's the highest-scoring game ever in 117 meetings, but where the hell is the defense at? This is ridiculous. You're not going to come to the SEC, and you're not going to push for any sort of crown in the SEC if you play like this because you're going to get embarrassed every single week. It's not realistic to think that you're going to score 50-some-on points each week against SEC opponents because it's not going to happen. So they're going to have to buckle up. They're going to tighten up those chin straps because you're going to have to play some defense when you get to the SEC. That's big boy league. You know, this. it's fun, fun story that they, you know, there's a fun game. Red River Showdown, you know, at the State Fair in Texas. Like, that's cool for the Big 12. But when you go to the SEC, it's big boy time. So you better bring it when you get there. Then in the Pac-12, I get the victory. UCLA gets uh, the win over Arizona by a score of 34-16. to Arizona is winless thus far this season. And I thought at one point I saw that Arizona was asking its students that wanted to come out for the team to just walk on. Like, you could, they're going to have tryouts mid-season to see if they could find some talent in that in that school because apparently it's not on the roster so so tough loss for the Wildcats who are 0-5 at this point in the season UCLA they get the nice victory over Arizona they are 4-2 this season and they're 2-1 in the Pac-12 so they are still alive in the hunt out of the Pac-12 South this year but I get the victory out of the Pac-12 this week. And then out of the SEC, I got the victory. Georgia over Auburn by a score of 34-10. to The Georgia Dogs have now won the last five of six meetings over Auburn. And the nation's top defense, which is at Georgia, 
only gave up its second touchdown of the year. And that's pretty impressive considering the fact that they are still without injured starting quarterback JT Daniels, but they still find a way to win each week. The Georgia defense also had four sacks in this game while also limiting Auburn to only 46 yards rushing and had one forced fumble. The toughest games remaining on Georgia's schedule are upcoming beginning this weekend against Kentucky, who is undefeated and is playing really well, much to the surprise of many folks who are outside of Lexington. But they've got Kentucky this weekend, and then the following week, I think they're on to Florida. Fortunately for Georgia, both of those games will be at home in Athens. So it'll be a a really interesting race to the finish for Georgia. I'm interested to see if they can finish out their season undefeated. And I think they're looking really good. They're on their way to the playoffs if they can keep this up and win out. Some other games real quick I just want to mention. Some other games from Week 6. Florida State, they beat North Carolina by a score of 35-25. to It's a head-scratcher. Florida State has looked pretty bad this year. I mean, I'm saying that nicely. North Carolina was ranked, I think, number 10 to start the season this year. So I don't know what the hell is going on in, in North Carolina and at this point, I don't really care because I'm not even a Tar Heels guy in the first place. So I should have never, I should have never put my faith in them that they were going to win the Coastal because I don't really like Carolina like that. But I just thought that they were talented enough to do so. I thought they were well coached. But I don't know what the hell is going on in North Carolina. In that matchup, Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis he threw three touchdown passes. He had rushed for two touchdowns as well in the upset victory over North Carolina. This is the second year in a row that they beat North Carolina. They won 35-25. to The Seminoles, who are now 2-4 and four overall, 2-2 two and two in the Atlantic Coast Conference, have won back-to-back games for the first time since 2019, which seems crazy to say. And North Carolina coach Mac Brown, he fell 0-11. He's now 0-11 versus his alma mater, Florida State, including 0-8 while in charge of the North Carolina Tar Heels. So I don't know if he was doing them a favor, doing them a solid, but that is pretty embarrassing to lose to Florida State that many times. Granted, Florida State was a much better program for much of those 11 losses, but uh, recently Florida State is a shell of its former self. North Carolina needed this win, and they don't get it. I'm not putting my faith in the Tar Heels anymore this season. For Florida State, it marked the first road win in six tries under second-year head coach Mike Norvell. So... Good, uh, good victory for the Florida State program, who is just trying to pick up the pieces each week and, and not get embarrassed, I think is really the goal for Florida State the rest of the way here. Then we had, of course, number three, Iowa, beating number four, Penn State, by a score of 23-20. to This was extremely close. I thought Penn State would win this game. They looked like they were going to win this game, but then Sean Clifford got hurt, but Nonetheless, I don't want to take away from the fact that Iowa State, Iowa played really well. Their defense played at a very high level, looked really good. This certainly was the biggest game at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa since then number one Iowa beat then number two Michigan back in 1985. The Iowa defense brought the pressure and had four interceptions in this game. I think they actually lead the nation in interceptions this year. Iowa's defense is just playing balls to the walls. The Nittany Lions of Penn State jumped out to a 14-3 lead in the first quarter, and it looked like they were going to just run away with this. But that Iowa defense dug in and didn't allow another touchdown from Penn State for the entire game. 
Penn State star quarterback Sean Clifford, I'd mentioned he got hurt in the second quarter after sustaining what looked to be a big hit from linebacker Jack Campbell. Clifford was out of the uniform in the second half. Penn State coach James Franklin didn't disclose the nature of Clifford's injury, so I, I still haven't seen what the injury was per se or, or what uh, his prognosis is the rest of the way. But head coach pulled him out, and Taquan Roberson took over for Clifford, and he did not look good. And again, I know it was a big game. He, you know, probably nerves got to him a little bit. He's cold, so to speak, from that plane in the game. He didn't look good, and Penn State only managed 50 yards on 46 plays the rest of the game. So it, it kind of took some 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 wind out of your sail when Clifford goes out like that. They don't really have an answer at quarterback. And they lose the game. I mean, it's remarkable that it was as close as it was. I mean, they had a shot. But seeing some of the throws Roberson had in that game, they didn't have much of a shot. Overthrows, missing wide receivers that seemed to be wide open. You know, I I don't want to go too hard on this guy. He came in and tried his best, but his best just wasn't enough this past week. So we'll have to see what the game plan will be moving forward. But tough loss for Penn State. Great win for Iowa. Great win for Iowa. You got to give it to them because they are playing really well. Number two in the nation right now. And I'm excited to see what they will do the rest of the way. I mean, my little sister went there. So, you know, I've got some interest in Iowa. I've got a connection there. So, you know, I just didn't think that they were going to beat Penn State. But they get the impressive victory over the Nittany Lions at home to now earn themselves the number two ranking in college football. They haven't done that since the 80s. For Penn State, this was their first loss in 10 games, if you can believe it or not. That's crazy. So with Iowa, they, they beat a top 10 team this season for the third time. And it has now won six in a row against ranked opponents for the first time since 1960. It was Iowa's first win over a top five team since beating then number three Ohio State back in 2017. So that is outstanding. So those were the games from this past weekend. It was an exciting week six. If you follow the college football twitter you'll you'll see a lot of folks thought that it was one of the best weekends they've had this season in college football watching that experience play out so there were a lot of crazy games a lot of crazy finishes week seven i'm hoping for some good returns there as well so real quick here we'll get into my week seven locks and we'll wrap this up for this week so in week seven in the acc taking nc state over boston college NC State and BC have played well this season. They are looking like they are going to be pushing for the the title in the ACC. You could also throw Wake Forest in there as well. They uh, Wake Forest barely hangs on to beat Syracuse this weekend, but they got the win and they are undefeated still this season. NC State and BC, this is a big game. This is a big game. Whoever wins this matchup this weekend will be in in great position within the Atlantic this season. I want NC State to win, obviously, of course. That's the team that I love the most. But BC, they're they're looking pretty good on on offense and defense. I mean, they, they play pretty well. I know their their uh, star quarterback is out, full Jerkovic. But I need NC State to strap it up one more time and get this victory over BC. I think BC leads the all-time series like 10-5 to 5 or something like that. But... None of that matters right now. You got this game upcoming, NC State. If you can get this victory over BC, you will control the Atlantic. Please take care of business because 
I need this in my life. I need NC State to win the Atlantic this year and to make it to the ACC championship game. I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, but this is a, a great opportunity. If they can beat BC, they will be firmly in the driver's seat. So I'm taking NC State over BC. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Nebraska over Minnesota. Minnesota likes to row those boats. But, yo, Nebraska, you got to give it out to them. They played extremely tough against Michigan this past weekend. A lot of folks thought that they would upset Michigan this weekend. I didn't see that coming or happening at all. But it was extremely close. If Nebraska can regroup, get a good victory over Minnesota, you still got some games to play for. You still got some opportunities to make a bowl. So I, I, I hope that they can do that because I'm picking them. It's crazy that I'm picking them to win against Minnesota, but I'm picking the Cornhuskers to beat Minnesota this weekend. So that's my lock out of the Big Ten. Out of the Big 12, this is from my guy, Short Courts. Go check him out on Twitter, at Short Courts. This guy makes phenomenal replica arenas, like courts, basketball courts. And I, I usually have Kansas in my predictions because I it's usually a win for the other team, whoever they're playing. And that'll be the case this weekend as well. I'm taking Texas Tech over Kansas for my guy at Short Courts on Twitter. Check his page out. He makes some great replica courts. NBA, college. Uh, I've seen him make an NC State court that looks amazing from Reynolds Coliseum. Illinois State, Doug Collins court. I mean, go to his Twitter. It's a, He's a great follow. Check that out. And his page on Twitter, I had it wrong. It's short underscore courts. Short underscore courts. Check that page out on Twitter. It's a, a fun follow. He's a good guy. Check out his courts. You can commission some of that stuff if you if you want to replica court. I think I'm gonna plan to do so at some point here soon. My dad's a, he went to NC State. I would love to get him a court, a replica court uh, at some point. But check that page out on Twitter at short underscore courts. So in the Big 12, taking Texas Tech over Kansas in the Pac-12, Oregon over California. Hopefully the Ducks can get back on track here with the win over California. And and then in the SEC, Georgia over Kentucky in what will be a crazy lead up to this actual game kicking off. Georgia, Kentucky, they're both undefeated. Kentucky is looking like one of the darlings of college football this season. Coach Stoops, he is a tremendous coach. I don't know if, if Kentucky is his destination program where he wants to be for a while, but I'm sure Coach Stoops is going to be getting some looks this offseason at some other programs because this guy has got a tremendous resume at Kentucky. And they are playing really well. They are undefeated. So we'll see if they can get that get that job done against Georgia. I don't think they will, but I would love to watch a good game unfold in that matchup. So those are my locks this weekend. In the ACC, NC State over Boston College. In the Big Ten, Nebraska over Minnesota. In the Big 12, Texas Tech over Kansas. Out of the Pac-12, Oregon over California. And in the SEC, Georgia over Kentucky. So those are my picks for this weekend. I hope we have some good action this weekend. Week 6 was it was crazy. It was fun. It was, it was awesome to watch that action unfold. Week 7, I'm hoping for some similar returns. I'm hoping for an NC State victory over Boston College. And I'm hoping that we just have some great games to watch this weekend. So with that, I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. I appreciate the support. Appreciate the follows. Appreciate the downloads. Holler at me on Twitter if you got any opinions on college football or anything else, really, for that matter. You can find me at cherry underscore picking. 
But I hope you have a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. I cannot wait to talk to you soon. Please take care. And I will be in touch fairly soon here. Be well, y'all. Peace. What I will say for, for both of these teams, I mean, it's a great win for Oklahoma. But if you expect to come to the SEC playing like this, you're going to get your ass beat every week. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.